Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hello and welcome back to the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One. Mark Daly, Mark Hamilton and Vincenzo Landino here on the eve of what is spring break here in beautiful British Columbia, BC. Hey, Vincenzo, is it spring break down there in your neck of the woods? Uh, Some universities have this week off and I think some another there's maybe official spring break for like secondary school or high school uh, next week. Or, or a yeah. couple weeks, something like that. So it's like a right around this time. I never really pay attention. Yeah. I'm, I'm very, yeah, well, neither do I because I don't past get the age of spring break, break right? Exactly. <laughs> past the age of spring break, but that means that I got to like try and keep my kids amused for the next two weeks and some somehow still earn a living. So it's going to be interesting. But Mr. Hamilton, how's it going? You've got a big smile on there. The, the things must be going good in the Hamilton household. Yeah. I, I mean, everything is going great. You and I had some big news earlier today that uh, mask restrictions and some of the final yeah. COVID protocols are wrapping up in British Columbia, which is a big, big, big change for us, which is pretty exciting. Apple dropped some exciting products this week. And, uh, and of course, Drive to Survive drops tonight, tomorrow, and we're in the middle of the final round of winter testing. There's a lot of really exciting stuff going on, my friend. Oh, totally. And I mean, yeah, it's funny too that uh, that, that it seems like we're finally getting back to normal here in in BC. But I guess better late than never. But uh, we're we're not here to compl- or complain about what's happening here at home. We're here to talk about what's happening in Formula One. And boy, there's been a ton of things uh, going on. I mean, by, by the time that this, most of you guys uh, are listening to this, I mean, it's late Thursday night here. Uh, by the time this uh, drops, it'll be Friday morning. And I know you guys are going to listen to this first before you reach for your tablets, your phones, or go to your TVs. And <laughs> You guys could even keep a straight face on this one. But we all know that they're, they're, they're coming here first before they go to watch season four of Drive to Survive. Vincenzo, any expectations on this one? I I think it's going to be absolutely crazy. I really the last two episodes are going to be it's going to be nuts. And and Mark talked about it a little earlier tonight on a, a Spaces. We did a quick Twitter Spaces, and I think we're going to end up getting a lot of kind of bringing back those drama from the end of December, from the middle of December is going to come back. But it'll be interesting to see how folks react to what they saw on screen because I I believe that last season was really the first season where a lot of folks that were watching Drive to Survive in previous seasons, the first two seasons, actually went and watched the third season and the actual race season. So it was yeah. I want to see if they piece things together like hmm that's not accurate or this you know that wasn't said that way like will there be a little bit more critical thinking involved in the viewer at this point. So I'm really curious to see how they how they hype up the drama because last season I mean did not need dramatization, right? Like it was no. crazy. So I, I that's I'm just going to that's what I'm curious to see. I, I 
I think by the time I'm done recording this podcast, I might only have to wait like a half an hour <laughs> to watch the <laughs> first episode. So there you go. <laughs> Vincenzo and, and Daly, when we were in the Spaces chat tonight too, one of the things that we were talking about was the fact that, hey, could they have released this a week early? Did they release it early enough? There's a lot going on. But one of the things that we were talking about in Vincenzo was as equally surprised as I was, is they shared screener copies of the first eight episodes with a number of different media outlets. And you can go online, you can go to a number of different sources right now and get a pretty robust summary of what's yeah. happening in episodes one through eight already. And it was a bit of a surprise. And Vincenzo, I'm, I'm dying to hear your thoughts on this as well. But we know that nine and 10 have not been viewed by anybody. And it's either because one, they're not done and they're still cutting them. Or two, Netflix intentionally didn't want to release the content of those because they want to build up some anticipation. But Vincenzo, were you as surprised as I was that one, they released the screeners without an embargo? And two, that there's such detailed summaries of the episodes days or weeks before anyone can even see it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think I'm less surprised they released it or that they allowed some people to see it pretty standard stuff in media movies uh, you know you get premiere here's the thing it's it's becoming such a big deal at this point drive to survive and what it's doing for netflix what it's doing for formula 1 that you you have to treat it like a movie premiere right or or this big premiere so that you have to make a big deal about it um, i'm really really shocked as to the, the lack of embargo on people talking about it i mean like you there's there's a channel i will not name but they did pretty robust breakdowns to the point where you're almost like, does that spoil the episode for you? Maybe not because there's still things that go on that you want to watch anyway. You're probably going to watch it anyway. But yeah, I don't know. It kind of gave me a weird feeling because, you know, where did that directive, who made that decision? Was that a Netflix decision? Yeah. Was that a Formula One decision? Um conspiracy theory would take me into this whole formula one is trying trying to detract from whatever is happening and going around right the start of the season so let's put out something that makes people pay attention to somewhere else right i don't necessarily believe that but like there's always that conspiracy theory in my head um yeah lack of embargo is just weird like why wouldn't you want to be the first one to release all of the, the information like if you're netflix if you're formula one if you're box to box, I mean, box to box probably didn't have a say on the distribution aspect. So if you're Netflix, right. why, why, you know, why not? Yeah. So yeah, it's strange, very strange, but who knows, you know, we'll see, like, it could be all smoke and mirrors too. Like we really don't know where, are they telling the truth? Like, I don't know. Yeah. We were, you know, if, they, if somebody's come up with like these, like you guys say, these very detailed summaries, we, we have to assume that that's what it is. I mean, it, it probably is. And I mean, Generally, I mean, we're all going to, for, for all of us that sat through all 22 races or whatever it was that we had last year, we kind of know where that arc goes and we know where, how that story ends. But it's interesting uh, just the, the, the way that you guys were speculating. I think Hamilton just mentioned it, that there, there was nothing on uh, episodes nine and 10, which is obviously the climax of the season there. Yeah, that, uh, and obviously what, what happened in Yas and what, whatever happened afterwards. So that, that's a great question today. You know, is that locked away in a vault somewhere that uh, nobody has access to? Or is it, uh, is, is it possible, like Mark said, that they're, they're not done, which, you know, would not be unheard of. I mean, I'm, I mean, back in the old day, if you had your favorite favorite show, you knew you were getting, say, 20 episodes a year or something like that, and it aired every night or every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. or something like that. The streaming world's a little bit different. 
But, um, you know, you, you see it now with some series that they'll drop either the entire season or they'll drop the first, say, four episodes or something. And then subsequently they release consequent uh, episodes or consecutive episodes a week later or something like that till you get all eight or 10 or what, whatever it is like this. But I you know, and I don't have anything uh, to the contrary. I'm just purely speculating here. I think that they're just kind of playing it, you know, close to their chest and, you know, releasing it to these preferred media partners and let them see whatever it is and hype it up or disclose whatever they want and maybe build a bit of uh, excitement about it. I see some nodding heads here and some thoughtful faces. Who wants to take that one first? Vincenzo, Hamilton, Mark? Okay, go ahead, Hamilton. I'm happy. I'm happy to go. So if you remember two years ago, and I think we remember all the darkest days, the early wave of the pandemic, when we were all locked in our houses for two months, we, we were all... I don't want to say subjected because it was really good, but we all got to go on the last dance journey and they were releasing two episodes every week. And I remember at the time listening to a podcast that was very explicit about the fact that in some instances they were still slicing and cutting together episodes hours before they hit streaming platforms, hours before they hit broadcast. And, you know, Micah made a really great point. And that was Michael Jordan making a lot of those calls. Yeah, that was totally, Jordan totally himself now. with inf- yeah, yep. he was influencing a lot of the direction right down to the end because there were certain things he didn't yep. want. So anyway, I just wanted to interject that because like no, no, no that's, 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 that's totally answer. fair. Yeah. That's what happens when you have stakeholders. That's what you ha- you have you know what happens when you have F one drivers, all these people you have to kind of navigate the politics you have to consider. And yeah, Jordan literally was making certain decisions and certain calls on what he wanted in episodes and what he didn't. So anyway, go That's ahead. That's amazing. Well, of course. And, you know, I'll just finish that thought. Like Micah made a great point tonight because his brother's in the film and production industry that these things go down to the wire. Like he made a great point during the the Spaces chat tonight that the season only ended, what, January, February, March, less than three months ago. Less than three months ago, the season yeah. wrapped. Like yeah. that's not a lot of time to put together a 10-story, 10 10-hour 10 mini docu-series and try to – and, you know, Vincenzo, you make such a great point that when you're piecing these together, it's not like one person sits in the room with all the footage and has total say over over it like they've got to satisfy dozens of stakeholders right like they've got to pass this through liberty and the fia and through the individual teams and the drivers and the driver managers in the case of the last dance the only reason that footage ever saw the light of day was because michael jordan gave the green light like that footage all of that cinematic 16 and 35 millimeter film that was sitting in a vault for 20 years because michael jordan didn't give anyone the green light so yeah you're absolutely right that he was a big part of that production process yeah, oh, it's going to be fun. Looking forward to it, uh, seeing it uh, come out finally. It's 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 almost become, well, I mean, it it has pretty much become like an annual milestone that you know that first yeah. or second week in March that uh, the, the the latest season, the latest drop of Drive to Survive is coming out. You mark your daily one before. thing, one thing before yeah. we move on because we forgot it last week and shame on all of us. Oh, Super good excitedly, man. yeah. Last week we launched the Scuderia F1 Pod Cross featuring collaboration F1 Fantasy Super League with Vincenzo Landino, and we forgot to talk about it on the podcast. (laughs) It's been the most requested thing in the entire ecosystem of this podcast for a year, and we forgot to talk about it. The good news is, as we speak, we should be crossing the 1,700 entry mark, which is phenomenal. So we are desperately trying to arrange some prizes. And I know Vincenzo indicated on a tweet he posted yesterday that I will be bankrolling that, but we promise we'll come up <laughs> with some prizes. We, ha- we have I, a few should. months to make this happen. 
But the last day to join is March 18th. So daily, I'm looking at you. When you get home this weekend from your conference, you got to join. You can have three teams. It's going to be a lot of fun, everybody. That's that's going to be good fun. Yeah, that that's awesome. I mean, the way that it's it's really sort of taken off with, uh, well, zero promotion from the guys that are actually running this thing. So, but good for you for uh, remembering. <laughs> Anyways, let, let's uh, steer it back to the uh, to the track here before we go into the the first break in a couple of minutes. And I guess this is news that isn't really news, but Haas uh, announced a couple of days ago this week that they've uh, they've cut ties with Nikita Mazepin, and he's not going to be driving for them this week. So, I mean, what with everything that else has been happening and just the the, the general boycott and, you know, distancing, uh, to put it mildly, of anything Russian in the past couple of weeks, you could see this one coming a mile away. It was just a question of when and not if. But I guess for, for me and I'm sure a lot of other people out there with some very young, talented drivers out there, I mean, like uh, Nick DeFries, Oscar Piastri, etc., I have to admit that I was more than... I, let's just say I was shocked that they decided to go with the known quantity and Kevin Magnuson, who drove for them for you know several years, didn't drive last year, of course, but uh, he's back in the seat uh, beside Mick Schumacher for, for this year. Vincenzo, your thoughts yeah. on, uh, first of all, well, I mean, obviously Mazepin wasn't the surprise, but the whole K-Mag thing. What, what did you make of that? Less so initially shot like, oh, wow, K-Mag wasn't really somebody we were talking about. Um, as I processed and gathered some information I think that it's the right choice. Magnuson's an aggressive driver. He's quick. Um, he had he's he has the ability to push Schumacher. Uh, whereas a Giovinazzi, uh, Fittipaldi, they're like, what do they have to offer right now? Giovinazzi, we you know he's been in Formula One, didn't prove enough. Uh, Fittipaldi is still young, hasn't had like a ton of chances to prove himself anywhere, but he, you know, is he the one that's going to push Mick? No. I know there was talk of, of, you know, Hulkenberg. I, I don't know if that was really in the cards to like to work out. Um, so I think came, you know, and K Mag's been on the team before. So it's not, you know, it wasn't like, oh, we had, we went and got somebody that we'd never, you know, we've never dealt with. Um, I had said this earlier this week that I believe based on some information that I have that Ferrari actually pushed for a driver like Magnussen to push and to help kind of give Mick a little bit of competition because Hmm. they want to see him grow. He's not going to grow with anyone else. And regardless of if Ferrari actually did that, I think that's the move for Haas, you know, like Schumacher's the guy for whatever foreseeable future but you got to give them a, a teammate that can actually kind of push and go back and forth, you know, competition amongst the teammates. It helps every other team. Look at, you know, look at all the team, the other teams out there that actually have two decent drivers. They can push each other. Um, and, and so Mick needed that, right? Mazepin wasn't it. Um, <laughs> Mazepin finished what? 21st out of, in a 20 driver field. Like that's kind of <laughs> crazy. Um, so yeah, I, I like K Bag. I, I like him. I like him back in Formula One. I think he it's an enter is a great energy to be back in the sport. And I think he's gonna be able to he's gonna kind of get full reign of driving the hell out of that car, you know, drive it as fast as you can, do whatever. I mean, it's almost like you you came into this thing last minute, whatever. We're we're a bottom of the pack type team, like go for it. I think that's yeah. kind of like the no pressure situation he's in, and uh, hopefully that that can kind of push and help Mick along as well. 
Yeah, I agree. Okay, well, with, Mark, uh, just hang on a second. If you can just park it there, I want to just take a quick break, and then when we come back, I'll let you run with it because there's a couple of different. I want to pitch a couple of different questions to you on the whole K Mag back to Hass. <laughs> I'd be interested to to get your take on that. So we'll do that in just a moment. So don't go away. We'll just break for a short message from our sponsors. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights and more. Whether you're into speed, power or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right. Welcome back to the show. You're listening to Scuderia F1 with Mark, Mark, and not Mark. And the not Mark is obviously Vincenzo. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, before the break there, we were talking about, uh, well, the the latest thing we were talking about was the the whole uh, sacking, if you want to call it that, of Nikita Mazepin and then bringing Kevin Magnussen back into the team. And Vincenzo, you made a good point there about uh, bringing a known quantity like K-Mag back into the team at uh, basically the 11th hour right before the last winter test and then the first race of the year coming up uh, pretty quick but Marco I wanted to, I want you to take uh, that a little bit further I mean Vincenzo brought it up and said that uh, they need an experienced driver or somebody to push uh, Mick Schumacher but also what, what what do you well I want to hear your thoughts on that but also what about your thoughts about uh, bringing a guy like Kevin Magnuson who's been with the team before and knows everybody there and is going to bring um I wouldn't say a level of expertise, but obviously relationships that he has with people within the team. Do, do you think that there's maybe a bit of a, an, I wouldn't say an X factor, but definitely a, a dynamic there that will help them in developing and maybe bringing this new car along? What are your thoughts on yeah, that? I think, I think Vincenzo made a, a tremendous point. And I think history will tell us that 2020 was a lost year for Mick Schumacher. He was in an obsolete dud of a car that had been completely written off the year before. And he was competing against a teammate that had no business being in Formula One. So I don't know how much he learned. I don't know how much he grew last year. And I think I think Vincenzo nailed it that having somebody like Magnuson in the car next to him is going to be instrumental for his development. But I think what this is really telling is... You look at the situation, right? Like we go back to 2020 and Grosjean and Magnussen are unceremoniously dismissed from this team. And we now know it was because they wanted to bring in Mick because he's got the Ferrari ties, the Ferrari linkage, and there's a tie between Haas and Ferrari, between the Scudiera. And they also brought in a young driver in Mazapan who was clearly a paid driver. So you look at this in isolation now. You had Magnussen, who was a qualified driver then and probably should have retained a seat, but he lost it to an inferior driver who was bringing funding through his dad's business. That young driver is now gone. The funding's gone. And you've now immediately reverted to the driver who was replaced by Mazapan. So to me, this is a troubling situation because from Haas's perspective, Gene Haas made a conscious decision here that the competitiveness of the team and the integrity of the team, when you consider the linkages that they ultimately had with with a a Russian oligarch, were, were, 
were were less important than having a pay driver. That if competitiveness and growing the brand and integrity were really important to Gene Haas, why did you not just keep Kevin Magnuson? Because remember, they've now committed to a multi-year deal with with Kevin Magnuson, right? The young Danish driver now gets a multi-year deal. So I think it's it's really it doesn't reflect well on on Gene Haas, and it doesn't necessarily re- reflect well on the decision makers here. And then I think the other thing we have to consider, and we always caution everyone that's listening at home with the fact that, hey, look, we all know that this is happening as a ripple effect of the fact that Russia invaded Ukraine and have, has initiated a devastating tragedy of a war. And the, the life of a single person in that country is more important than everything we're talking about here. But when we were in the space session earlier tonight, somebody had made a really interesting comment that I wrote down, which is, hey, live by the oligarch, die by the oligarch. And it's funny, and somebody else had made a comment as well, that it took a war for all of us to really start digging into the fact that Haas, that Gene Haas had linked up with somebody like Dmitry Mazepan, who has such close ties to the president of, of Russia, right? Like we're talking about a guy who had an in-person physical meeting with Vladimir Putin the day after the invasion began to have an update on how the invasion was going. It's it's appalling. So I think it's a good move away. And I think the resounding sentiment in Vincenzo, I don't know if you agree, but online today in spaces on Twitter, the general consensus is that all of a sudden Haas is a lot more likable as a team than they were three or four days ago. <clears throat> yeah, I, I see that. I, I think it's, you know, rightfully so. Um, they still have the problem of not having many sponsors on that car, meaning that there's a funding, <laughs> there's going to be a funding gap at some point, unless Gene Haas suddenly has unlimited funds. Um, not, not that that has anything to do necessarily with what you just said, Mark. I think that that is just something to consider. Likeable isn't always the the business decision, right? I, I'm not saying that they should have entered into an agreement with a, a an oligarch, but I think push when you're pushed into situations, I can see why decisions might have been made. Um, it, it it does, I think it just reflects super poorly on Gene Haas in general, just because if that's the way you're running the team, like now you're going back to Magnuson, you've got to give him a multi-year deal because you look like an idiot that you just, you let him go and now you're taking him back. Um, it just, just poorly run, you know, like, I, you know, we see this in other sports too. You could look at this across the board. The poorly run teams, the ones that are at the bottom year in and year out, are the ones that make these types of moves. You know, you don't see a Ferrari making these types of moves, a Mercedes, a, a Red Bull. Like they're not making these kind of like strange deals. Um, and and so like that's why the winners continue to kind of rise to the top. The cream rises to the top, and and the crap is always at the back of the pack. I mean, that <laughs> like there's really there's no other way to look at it. But yeah, I, I'd like yeah. to. I'd like to see that team actually be run properly. Andre made a good comment today, and Daly, you're a big F, you're a big uh, NFL guy, but he made a comment that uh, Haas are very much the New York Jets of, of Formula <laughs> One, and, and you got to look at the last couple of years, right? Like, I can't wait for the uh, Elizabeth Blackstock book because she's writing the book about that marriage, that ill-fated marriage between rich energy and and Haas. Like, I cannot wait to read that book and understand who the hell did the due diligence at Haas to think it was okay to sign this like title sponsor deal with yeah. a phantom energy drinks producer. But from your perspective, I, do you agree with that analogy, that that NFL analogy, Mark? Yeah, totally. Vincenzo, you're going to say something. Go for it. 
No, I was just going to say that if this opens, because politics and F1, business and money of F1 is a very shady area. Like that's oh, sure. that's the, yes. that's the, the history the of the sport. Correct. And it's the world I try to explore, but it's also very, very closed off, more so than the rest of the sport. Um, and let's just face it, like my own Scuderia Ferrari had Mission Winnow. Like, what was that? that Husky Chocolate. <laughs> I'm a clay. Like, there's all these things we could talk about. If this whole ordeal with Eurokali causes enough, I guess, uproar or enough of, hey, you know what? Mm, we may want to do a little bit more due diligence because we don't want to turn into that, then that's a good thing. So if there's something they can take from that Completely situation. We agree, man. Great call. Across the sport. Um, I, you know, I don't know if I actually don't know the answer to this. Maybe you guys do, but is there some sort of like in order for you to sign a sponsor, it, there's like some sort of regulation it passes through, or can you pretty much nope, sign anybody? Not at all. Well, so mean, that's a great the, question. Yeah. There's nothing. I was going to say there, there was that um, that thing there last uh, end of last year in the fall when uh, when uh, Mercedes hooked up with was a Kingsgate or something that um, yeah. they were the ones with that tower yep. in London the that Greenfell Tower that, yeah yeah and I mean that was just a like a PR nightmare for Mercedes who I mean let's let's face it those guys never put a foot wrong on or off the track and 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 that one just I mean at at the very very best that just seemed like it was tone deaf I mean mm-hmm. uh, in the worst of light it was just callous and just cold but I mean it was just not a good look for for for, for that team so I think we can draw conclusions that it, it it's almost yeah. that anybody that sort of ponies up uh you know a, you know a fair amount of cash can can put their put their sponsorship on the car so which is a shame because you know yeah. brand integrity <laughs> is something that like in the NFL teams are are very aware of the shield. They talk about the shield all the time, meaning the NFL crest, the shield. Sure, yep. It's always like that's what's most important, the shield, shield first, brand integrity first, reputation first. Yeah. A, a global brand like like Formula 1, how do you ensure, you know, posturing that you are this elite brand is lip service compared to what like you actually need to do when it comes to who's representing you what where's the money coming from in these in, in the sport you know and in a world in a day and age where social media is around and people can get information out immediately it it, it you would be hard pressed to find anybody that wouldn't want to make the sport better but it's got to be done right all the way down to that like the money that's coming in and that trickles down. So I think if this opens it up, opens up people's minds to we've got to do a little bit of more, a little bit more research. We've got to understand a little bit more of what's going on. You got to go, you got to go three steps deeper than you thought originally you needed to. Then it's a good thing. Try to yeah. take a little, little silver lining, hopefully. Vincenzo, you've opened my mind and uh, my uh, eyes to the idea that Formula One should be governing the sponsors that get put on those cars, right? Like you look at the NBA and we could talk about this topic forever and I know we got to move on. But if you look at the NBA, the NBA signs off every sponsor that's associated with every team. And in the NBA, you guys might not know this, but the teams don't actually own their logo or their name. They license them from the league office itself. So 
It's crazy. A couple of other points real quick. I know we got to move on. Uh, Mazepan and his father have officially been sanctioned by the EU. And this one, Vincenzo, uh, Daily, I know you're a huge Ferrari fan as well. Ferrari has donated 1 mm. million euros to support Ukrainians in need across Europe. Yeah, that, that's that's Grande that's ragazzi. Yeah. Yeah, I had a, another one I just wanted to bring up uh, before we move on to the to the next one. I mean, there, there's tons of other stuff here, so I don't want to dwell on it too long. But Nikita, uh, Nikita Mazepin has announced the, the for, formation of a foundation to support athletes that have been excluded from sport uh, due to political reasons. That's going to be uh, funded by Urukali money that was uh, destined to go to has sponsorship this year. I mean, I, I can be so tone <laughs> <laughs> deaf, it, my friend. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> Need uh, we say more? Probably not. Um, it's so funny. You're reading that story as a newscaster and you can't even keep a straight face. It's just such an absurd initiative. And we are very human on the show, but that is just so misguided and so tone deaf. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I I think none of us would be cynical if uh, this is something he'd started two years ago for maybe other people and other situations. But, you know, to yeah. come two weeks after, yeah. like, a, you know, the Russian invasion of Ukraine and then, you know, his sacking from from uh, for, from Haas and then Urukali being removed as head sponsor and stuff like that. I mean, the timing is, uh, yeah, yeah, well. What 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 more can we say? Anyways, let's move on to the uh, the, the next story, and this is sort of kind of related, and this uh, kind of goes back to one of um I wouldn't say one of our well I guess it is kind of one of our favorite topics. We, we we've talked about it uh, quite a bit over the last uh, several months, and uh, so I'm going to go back and talk about Michael Andretti and his uh, bid to try and start a new Formula One team. And uh, he said he's awaiting a decision on his proposed F1 team. So perhaps maybe he found that billion dollars that Toto told him to bring if he wants to play at the F1 table. <laughs> he, yeah. uh, I, I think, I, you know, I think Andretti, it's, I'm reading some of the comments that are popping through on the live stream. And if, yeah, it is what's interesting about, I don't know if you guys had seen, but they're, Andretti ha- has, they have not released who they are, but he, has sponsors, American sponsors, American money. Um, I find it fascinating that Haas, the American team, someone mentioned it in the in the the chat. Um, they're they're not able to really <laughs> nail down any American sponsors. I think Andretti's going to have no problem getting money, sponsors, um, good sponsors. Right? We're talking about we were what we were just talking about integrity of sponsors i think they'll be able to get pretty much anybody the pick of the litter and they credit the growth of the sport the article that we linked in our show notes um is credited to the growth of the sport and how much it's growing here in in the u.s um as to how easy it's been for them um uh you, you know to 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 get these sponsors he even said that He's, uh, Andretti said that his investors think that when you look at sports, there's not a lot of franchises out there in terms of opportunity, which has made trying to get involved in Formula One more attractive. Mm. So this huge opportunity. Totally. Well, well, think about it this way. I mean, you might not know a lot about motorsports, but if you know a little bit about sports, you know, there's instant name recognition when you hear Andretti. I mean, it's not just a name. It's almost a brand in its own right. And I mean, if well, you Mario that, Andretti was it, just saying that, like, if you drive yeah. fast, people are like, oh, what do you think? You're Mario Andretti. People don't exactly. even know motorsport, like you said. Exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I mean, he's like a household name, right? Everybody yep. knows, knows the name Mario Andretti, right? So, I mean, if there's like an... Andretti-backed um, 
proposal to get a team into Formula One, if they have money, you, you know, you would have to think, and just based on this, you know, the, the way that these guys race, <clears throat> the way that they do business, that they're going to approach it and do it the right way. I mean, it, it just seems it just seems completely illogical to me that people wouldn't be lining up to sponsor that team. And they have a plan in place, according to the, uh, the indie broadcast uh, clip that I had heard a couple, like a week ago. They've got a plan in place, F2, F3. So like they want a whole proper, you know, system. They're not just trying to jump in the glory of F1. Like they want everything. They want to do it right. Yeah. Um, so I think that's, you know, that's something, I, if the FIA doesn't approve this, I'm I'm not sure what they're looking for anymore, uh, honestly. I just, well, exactly. I just, I just think, man, like, I agree with you and I've really warmed and I'm now really hot on the idea of Andretti coming in. I just, I don't think it needs to be a new team. Like I feel like, and you and I talked about this earlier on the spaces chat, like what is Gene Haas's end goal with that team? Is it to build it into a winner? Clearly not. Is it to develop American talent? Clearly not. He's had it for six years and he's done nothing. If it's to allow it to appreciate as an asset and sell it, sell it now. It's never been worth more. Like for me, if I'm F1, you have a fundamentally broken team on the grid. And again, this isn't a shot at any of the, I'm assuming, amazing people working at that team and in the factory, because I'm sure there's some exceptional people. But from an ownership perspective, that team is broken. And if Mm -hmm. I'm Formula One, if I'm the FAA, I need to fix that before I allow any other Mm -hmm. teams on the grid. Because I think Andretti could offer some real value. And Vincenzo, you're right. Like, he would offer premium sponsors potentially. We're talking about Pepsi. We're talking about Coke. It's, we're talking about large yeah. software providers. Totally, yeah, right? Well, he's it already just got to partners. how toxic Haas is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's already got partners across other other teams. Not that Haas doesn't, but Andretti already has partners uh, that are willing. They've uh, they've come out and said they're you know they're they're ready to go. In fact, one of Andretti's biggest sponsors, I think it's called, uh, Gainsbridge, is. Um, they're partnered with the Miami GP. They're they're a recent oh, partner of the Miami GP. So there's already like they're already getting themselves in there because it's going to be a lot harder for the FIA and for Formula One to say no when you've got pressure. Like you've already got money in the sport. Hey, we're already sponsoring this. Uh, we are going to sponsor this team, but you need to have this team. In. Like there's going to be pressure at some point for them to make that move. Um, and Mark uh, Daly, to your point before about how you said, you know, you don't necessarily need to be a motorsport, a person that knows motorsport to understand the value of this. I, I'll, I'll even venture to say, you don't have to know motorsport at all. You don't even have to know Mario Andretti's name. You just need to understand media. Just look at mm-hmm. the growth of the the media properties and the assets that are now in front of us with, I, I know I'm going to say drive to survive, but everything that formula one is doing social sure. digital content, that alone is worth, you know, is worth it. So people will be exploring, and I say people, brands will be exploring this for sure, without a doubt. And especially if they promise American drivers, it's an absolute home run. I'm, I'm still hoping that uh, we'll see Wonder Bread on the side of a Formula One car before it's all hey, over. Why not? <laughs> hey, I mean, if, if they're willing to sponsor Ricky Bobby, you know that they're looking at the big time. Anyways, guys, uh, you know, Shake joking aside. <laughs> I had to go there. I'm sorry. Anyways, let's take a quick break. We'll be back in just a moment, so don't go away. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, everybody, welcome back to the show and special shout out to, to everybody in the live stream tonight on uh, YouTube. It's just a lot, a lot of activity in there. Loving it. We'll have to make sure that we uh, keep uh, following up with some of these uh, the, the comments out the, that people are throwing in there. So um, another big piece of news is Formula has partnered with Lenovo and they're going to be bringing their cutting edge technology to uh, Formula One's operations. Mark, do you want to talk about this one? Uh, no, but I think Vincenzo can probably add some real value to that. Oh, sorry. I uh, thought Vincenzo- this was one of your stories. <laughs> <laughs> Vincenzo, all you, my friend. No, I, you know, I, Lenovo is absolute leading advanced technology or next generation technology company. Um, for folks that don't know Lenovo, um, if you remember the IBM ThinkPad, yeah. Lenovo, Lenovo bought that out. Um, so Lenovo owns that piece of it. Lenovo is also, well, a lot of people don't know, they're like the fifth largest smartphone manufacturer in the world. I um, did not know that. The, huge presence in China. So those numbers obviously move, uh, create that. But they do have a huge presence. They are a, I know they're like, they're officially a Chinese company. Beijing, Hong Kong headquarters, but they have a headquarters in North Carolina. Um, and and they are partnering with F1. Now, in the press release, the big thing they focused on was data collection, which, you know, let's not be scared of that. There's nothing wrong with data, collecting data, um, but also improving fan experience. Lenovo is really heavy into AR, VR hardware. Um, so, th- like, People can get excited about this because when you think about virtual experiences, augmented and virtual realities, Lenovo is an absolute leader in that space. And the technologies that they're, you know, bringing, uh, you know, bringing to market will now be brought, hopefully, to Formula One. And so by being able to take the data and take the hardware that they already know and are, are uh you know, creating the idea is that they can help create these fan experiences both on location and off location. I don't know. This is no, you know, I have no idea, but the, do you guys remember during, during, um, COVID 2020, we had, um, Remember watching games? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Remember watching games and you'd see like in some stadiums they would put people's like faces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They cut out. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I I would love to see because here's the thing, right? We we all talk about accessibility in Formula One in terms of you know price point, people actually physically being able to travel to races like. There's a lot more people that watch the sport than can ever actually go to a track. Yeah. You if if we can get the right type of augmented or virtual reality experiences created for fans to give them an on-track type uh experience without having to leave their home, 
again, I'm not saying that's the direction they're going. I have zero clue. It's just I'm inferring that based on certain things I'm reading. Um, that would be really cool. And that could really help the fan experience. Um, if you think about Formula One, there's so much uh, kind of interactive or interactivity. Mm-hmm driving the car, taking off the wheel nut, like all that kind of stuff. You could create virtual experiences for people. Not everyone has the money to do, you know, these paddock passes or, or whatever, these high end experiences that allow you to do some things. Not everyone's going to get access to that. But if you open up that access in a virtual or augmented way, I think that could be pretty cool. And so that's where I see Lenovo maybe playing. Maybe it's not this year or next year, but if it's a if it's a partnership they continue cultivating, I think that's yep. something they can take into the future. Oh, totally. I mean, it's it's an untapped um, area that they could really do something with. I mean, case in point, a couple of years ago, one of the things we gave my son for his birthday is like one of those little VR headsets that you that you can put your your iPhone into. And I mean, you can just go onto like YouTube and like we love like uh, we're we're av geeks, right? We we love aircraft and jets and stuff like that. And you can go up and look at any sort of um, like like um, videos on the Blue Angels. You get like the VR ones, and you mm. put it on there. You look around, and it's it's a totally different experience than just watching a couple of the Blue Angels flying around just on on the screen. But when you can look around and see the look or the view that the pilot's getting out of the cockpit. I mean, that's that's a totally different thing. And just, uh, you know, you brought up some great uh, examples, Vincenzo, of uh, some different uh, things that they could do with like VR. I mean, it'd be amazing. Could you imagine you have like a VR camera of like on the helmet of like uh, one of the mechanics doing like a, a wheel change in a pit stop or, you know, in, in the cockpit of the car? I mean, there's yeah. they, there's like the sky's the limit. I mean, we, we've just kind of thrown a couple of examples out there right off the top of our head. But I mean, you know, if you're in that world and you've got the the the, the creativity and the uh, the hardware and the software to do it, I mean, that could be, you know, th- that could be like a whole game changer there. I think it's an absolutely incredible way to enjoy the sport. Yeah. Um, you know, you have that. The thing is, it's already there, right? Like we already have in, in cockpit cameras, you already have all of this. It's already set up. Yeah. Um, it's not difficult. Uh, let me rephrase that. It's not, (laughs) it shouldn't be as difficult for these technology companies to, kind of just deliver them in a different way for people. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, some people in the in the chat are saying that, well, Lenovo is just going to raise brand awareness by throwing their <laughs> logos on laptops. <laughs> maybe. I mean, <laughs> maybe, but this is what I think could happen based on the, you know, who they're dealing with. And, I, and so like, it'd be really cool to, to be able to take a chance um, and do something that actually uh, enriches fan experience. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure you guys will uh, agree with me that watching Formula One at home on TV and watching the race at the track is completely a different experience. Like, like I, I enjoy watching it live and I enjoy it at home, watching it on my TV and having all the cool things available to watch it. But it, it's it's almost a completely different thing than, say, going down to oh. watch watching a football game or a basketball day game or even a baseball game. I mean, it, it's different live than it is at home, but it's it's not such a contrast to going down to watch an NFL game. I mean, you miss out on some of the replays and things like that, but whatever. It, it's not as a huge uh, difference in your fan experience watching at home as it is at the stadium. It just, for, for me, it's almost better, the in-person thing, whereas mm-hmm. I enjoy both like watching live at the track and at home, but for, for, for different reasons. What, what do you think, Mark? 
Yeah, I completely agree. I, I got to say, though, that broadcasters can still do a lot within the constraints of what they're doing today. So I can't add any analysis to which Vincenzo added with respect to Lenovo. That's expert professional analysis. And I was just yep. sitting back taking notes. Um, I, I'm excited for a future where we can interact and experience the sport in a different way, because I think you both make a great point <laughs> that this is a global sport and most people don't live within driving distance of a Formula One track. Like for most of us, for you and me daily, like we got to fly six hours to Montreal, two hours to tech or two hours to Dallas and then drive two hours to Austin. Like it's not an easy thing for a lot of people to do, but I think there's ways they can prove the experience for people at home. And maybe it's augmented reality, maybe it's virtual reality, or maybe it's just about making the broad broadcast available in 4k in north america because we in north america can't still still can't see the races in 4k for crying out loud but i think you're right that there's a lot more they can do with such an exciting product and there's a couple of stories we tagged on at the very end here indicating that hey during the Bahrain winter testing, Formula One's experimenting with a couple of different things. One, they're getting drones in the air. So we're going to mm -hmm. start getting drone footage during the testing session. So that's pretty cool. Maybe that adds to the races and free practice and qualifying, but they're also going all in on the helmet camera. So we saw a little bit of that mm -hmm. last year and a lot of us got really excited. They've got it on four drivers or they had helmet cameras on four different drivers today, which is pretty cool. But imagine that to your point about the augmented reality or the virtual reality. Imagine being able to put on your VR goggles and getting the view from the helmet camera of one of the drivers live and being able to look around and that see what cool. he's or she is seeing like crazy. There's a lot yeah. of really cool stuff they can do here. Yeah. And maybe Lenovo's that technology provider that enables a lot of this or unlocks a lot maybe. of that uh, capability. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the drone thing is interesting too, because I mean, uh, in my professional life, I mean, drones are and, and aerial imagery is, is a lot of what we do. Right. And I mean, the drone technology that that's out there nowadays is it's, it's just mind blowing. I mean, as, as a lot of things are now, so, I mean, if they, I'd love to see what they're going to do with that. So, hey, let's move on to the next one. This is just kind of a little kind of an FYI thing before we move on to the next story. But Formula One has announced that they're abolishing PCR testing and mask requirement for, for 2022. And why not? It uh, doesn't seem like it's uh, necessary anywhere else. And it'll be nice to, to, to see. I'll just... Yeah, I'll just add on that as well. The reason they're doing that is because vaccination is mandatory for everybody in the paddock. So over the course of the last yeah. couple of years, you had to be double PCR tested 96 hours before, 24 hours before. Now it's just straight up. If you're working for a team, if you're part of the media, if you are a driver, you have to be vaccinated. And if you're vaccinated, you're triple vaccinated, you've got your booster. Why continue to enforce COVID protocols? Yep. The drivers, the employees, they've done what's been asked of them by their local governments, by global governments. Let's move on. Yeah. So one more uh, quick story here before we head into another break. Flavio Briatore is lined up potentially as a, an advisor coming back to, to, to Formula One. And uh, well, I mean, he's been out of the sport for over a decade, ever since the Crashgate scandal way back in 2009, when Nelson Piquet uh, Jr. said that he'd been uh, ordered to deliberately to crash his car at the Singapore Grand Prix to help uh, Fernando Alonso to go on to win that Mark, uh, race. Please, but, please. Please, please. I know we've got to go to a break. Can I add something on this? <laughs> yeah, please. Yeah, go for it. If if your Wikipedia bio has a subsection called convictions and fugitive status, you should not be an employee of Formula One. Let I will just remind everybody at home. This is an individual who is convicted of multiple counts of fraud in the 80s received multiple jail sentences, and then fled to St. Thomas in the Virgin Islands to escape time in jail. 
This is mm-hmm. furthermore a guy that was involved in Crashgate when he specifically ordered a driver to crash a car. He was also involved in Spygate the year before. <laughs> this is a guy who has a very, very colorful history. And I get it. There's going to be some people like, oh, well, you know what? Those prison sentences were overturned and blah, blah, blah because of amnesty. This is a guy who has a very colorful history. And I don't know that this is the guy that you want going to commercial sponsors to sell your sport. I don't think he has a place in Formula One. I think he's toxic and I don't think he should be involved anymore. So and Mark, really quick, you really feel <laughs> it's 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 a 71 year old dude. It, let's just strip away everything else. It's a 71. It's an like if <laughs> are you trying to get fresh or are you trying to relive the hate? Like, where are you going? Yeah, That's yeah. sometimes F1. Yeah. It's like it's confusing. Also, how on earth did he he was partners with both Heidi Klum and Naomi Campbell at some point? That's something to think about. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's funny though. But I mean, like Mark says, you know, when you have like that, that whole section on your Wikipedia bio, let, let's just say that, uh, you know, you, you got a bit of a rap sheet. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Anyways, let's go to a quick break here, guys. We'll be back just a moment. So uh, don't go away. We'll be uh, back shortly. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, well, welcome back and moving right along, and uh, we'll get back into uh, winter testing. So uh, Ross Braun, the F1 Managing Director of Motorsports, says that the extreme Mercedes side pod solution that they unveiled at the Bahrain test was not anticipated by the Formula One 2021 rules and regulations. Red Bull is unhappy with the... Pardon me, the Mercedes uh, upgrade. Yeah, I mean, well, <laughs> you know, that that's the thing, though, right, guys? I mean, if one of these two teams comes out with something a, a little bit more radical or something that's a bit of departure from the norm compared to everybody else, you know that the other ones are going to be, you know, screaming about it and, and jumping up and down. And, uh, well, I mean, we've, we've seen that story, uh, you know, play itself out uh, over and over again. So, so what is the, you know, what do we make of this? Is there something to this? Have they, is this going to go to the scrutineers or whoever's, I guess it's not the scrutineers at this point in the, in the season, but it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, you know, there's, there's always, like we talk about room for interpretation in the rules and regs. And, and that's part of, you know, being an engineer, being a designer in Formula One, these are the parameters that you're given. This is what, you know, and you've got to design and build a, like a winning race car around it. So of course they're going to try and exploit every little opportunity that they can. But the question is, where is that line going to be drawn? And uh, where do we think that's going to go from here? Vincenzo, it looks like you want to say something first. So go for it. Um, well, I'll speak to just simply the, the, the fact that like okay they interpreted the they interpreted the rules one way we talked about this last on last episode that even adrian newey's own philosophy and, and i'm sure other designers but i read newey's book and i understand you know, his philosophy it's it's what are the rules not telling me 
so that I can push that envelope, right? Like that's how they think. What is interesting is that they it the this radical change. It's one team making it, and so do you know? Do you actually have uproar here? Like we have no idea if it's actually gaining speed. Some rumors that it did well in a wind tunnel. Okay, that's great, but they couldn't. You know, they couldn't figure out porpoising in the wind tunnel. So it's like it supposedly is supposed to be faster. Um, I, I I don't know. It's like. Are we complaining here? Isn't Formula One supposed to be pushing the technological bounds of this Great stuff? Point. Like, isn't that what this sport is all about? To 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 push the boundaries? You know, Ross Braun, okay, it wasn't necessarily the way we thought it would be interpreted. Okay, well, well, if it was is it is it regulation or is it this is I think this is where sometimes black and white needs to come in. Is it in within regulation or is it not? Because if it is it doesn't matter how they interpreted it, right? Yep. Like it really, if 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 interpretation is part of the game, then you you have to allow for someone to come out with a bathtub side pod and someone to have no side pod. Like there has to be that. And I believe that Ferrari and Mercedes have the two vastly different concepts. That's why I'm using those two examples. Um I, I heard some, some folks saying like, if you look at the Ferrari next to the Mercedes, they look like, two completely different vehicle like it is completely different but that's what that's what it's all about right you're you're hoping to gain advantage by interpreting these rules that you've been set out in such a way to to to, to be the fastest car on the grid well how do you do that you, if it if everyone's supposed to be the same then this isn't this isn't formula one anymore right um i i think that's interesting i also got some word that uh, and this is again some speculation from some sources um, i can't name them but uh that mercedes has been trying to develop two different cars the one we saw in bahrain and the one yeah. that we saw in barcelona um the new one is supposed to be like the fix this is the one that they thought was going to be it but apparently there might be some balance issues because they did have to move some things around to get that no pod so it'll be interesting to see how they finish out this week and then if they change the game for for next week again, or they have to do something different, because I mean, there was a lot of there was still a lot of porpoising across the board today. I don't know if you guys oh, got yeah. a chance to watch it. Oh yeah, including including Mercedes. Yeah, Alpha Tower seemed to have it the worst, but yeah. it was across the board. So I, I I think that Mercedes is trying something good for them because that's what this that's what you should be doing. Um, yeah. But from what I'm getting, some information it may not the balance might be really off for the for the benefit of everyone listening at home the side pods and i think probably everyone understands what a side pod looks like and where it is on the car uh they have inlet valves that are typically uh, or inlets that are typically horizontal and they're designed to capture air to bring into the radiator to cool the power unit and what mercedes has basically done is they've lopped off that entire side pod they've made a tiny inlet valve or inlet that is now vertical and it's mm. squished up against the side of the car so 
there's presumably less cool air coming in, but it looks like they're compensating for that because they have gills along where the side pod would have been. So they have this ability now to cool the engine in a way that they couldn't have before the new regulations. It's understood that Mercedes did share the CAD designs with the FIA and that they wouldn't have been as confident to go and build this and bring it to the track if they hadn't got the green light from the FIA. So I think yep. Mercedes feels pretty good about it. But this isn't like the double diffuser with Braun back in, I guess, 2009 when they came out and ran off a bunch of victories to begin the season. Like they've never raced with this, right? This is day one of winter testing, maybe day two by the time people listen to this. And they didn't look great today. They they put in a bunch of laps. They weren't super fast. And maybe that was by design. And to Vincenzo's point, they were suffering with the porpoising issue. And of course, this is unrelated, uh, potentially. But it's not like they're winning races with this. So I don't know that there's any need for there to be drama or or criticism of this. I'm just excited that teams are continuing to innovate. And I'm excited that the technical regulations allow them to innovate in such a novel way, because I don't think any of us saw this coming. Yeah, you know, that's uh, that's interesting. But let's just give a little bit of context to Ross's uh, comments. And he said, quote, I think there's no doubt that Mercedes that the Mercedes concept we didn't anticipate. It's a very extreme interpretation of the regulations. And I think inevitably there's going to be a lot of debate about their interpretation. That's what happens with new regulations. And however hard you tried to close off all the options and believe me, we closed off hundreds of them. As they say, the innovation is in F1. It's always extreme. Some, so from our perspective, it's largely about does it affect the objective, uh, objective of the regulations. From the team's pers- uh, perspective, they want to be sure that no one's taken an interpretation that they don't feel is correct. So I think there's going to be a lot of debate in the next few days, end quote. So, yeah, I mean, we're talking about it and we're not uh, the only ones. But, you know, certainly, I mean, it's it's not surprising that um, that Red Bull would uh, immediately start to, you know, start, I wouldn't say protesting, but uh, certainly voicing their their opinion on it. Uh, Red, uh, Red Bull uh, team Horner, Christian, or sorry, Red Bull team principal Christian Horner told um, Auto Sports, or sorry, Auto Motor und Sports in Germany, quote, Mercedes have gone a step too far. That does not correspond with the spirit of their regulations. For us, these wings are illegal. So there you go. <laughs> well, he then tried, he then backtracked it. Uh, he tried to backtrack it or uh, Red Bull put out a bunch of statements that oh, he never said this. Um, he, there was even a segment with Ted Kravitz uh, was asking him on the, you know, Horner walked out and he started talking about it. And he's like, you know what I'm talking about? And he's like, I have no idea. I don't know. What are they, what are they doing? And it mm. was like this really, it was such a facade, but <laughs> you know, it, it goes both ways. Like, sure. Y- you can't blame Red Bull for pro like they're your biggest rival. Of course you're going to protest it, but at the same time, like if it's legal, it's legal and just let it, let it be. Um, what do you guys think about the fact that, uh, if enough teams, I forget what it is, either seven or eight teams can essentially change the regulation. If they all feel like if I don't know exactly how the process works, but they can essentially vote on a regulation and change it. Yeah, I think if there was like an issue with any of these things, I mean, I think that we would have like heard a lot more complaining or like a, like a lot more like really, really solid opposition. I mean, say for the things yeah. like the, 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 the porpoising issue, right? I mean, everybody seems to be struggling with that to, to, to one degree or another, but it just seems to me that, yeah, you know, it's something that's there and we're trying to figure it out and we're going to work it out. Um 
you know, it just, yeah, I mean, where is that line? Where do they cross that line and say, you know, you know, as as a group, we're going to put our foot down that we we don't like this and we need to see some some change. I I don't know. That's a great question. I I really don't have an answer for it, Mark. How about you? Yeah, I feel the same way. And, And and ultimately, right, the, the rule creation is is always going to be a collaboration amongst the teams and and the FIA, right? These There's nothing about the world of Formula One that is imposed upon the teams. Like, let's remember, the FIA is effectively a contractor that works on behalf of the commercial group Liberty and, and to a lesser extent, the team. So the rules are always going to be a, a collaborative uh, approach. Of course, Ferrari tends to have a veto on a lot of these things um, due to their preeminent position in the sport and the value that presumably they bring through financial channels. (laughs) But uh, we got to remember that the FIA can't just impose things that they are. The best way to think of them is that they are an external contractor who is hired to run the, the regulatory side and the safety side of the, uh, of the sport. Yeah, it's certainly interesting. I mean, this, this whole, I don't even you know, I really know what to call it. This development of this uh, porpoising uh, phenomena is something that uh, I mean, obviously nobody expected it. I'm just I'm just surprised that uh, that that's turned out to be such a big issue. I would have thought that uh, we would have seen. I, I, I expected that we would have seen some solutions by the time that we got to to Bahrain. But I mean, the fact that we're still seeing teams struggling with it, and say even like Mercedes, like Vincenzo pointed out, that it's it's not as uh, you know a real sort of cut and dry black and white solution. That okay, we just got to do this and this and then the porpoising thing is going to be solved so but i mean hydraulic you know, suspension yeah sorry yeah. go ahead mark i was i was just going to say I, i'll share a couple of my notes and and i'm going to pass it over to vincenzo because he has a great sure. thought that i agree with but here are my thoughts because i have a couple pages of notes from the first day of winter testing um porpoising porpoising slightly less porpoising than the shakedown more porpoising alpha towery i wouldn't want to drive an alpha towery uh-oh, Mercedes has got porpoising issues. Mercedes looks a little bit slow. Aston Martin looks like they're in big trouble. That car looks like a handful. And Lance and Seb are struggling to drive it in low-speed, slow corners. Um, mm-hmm. More porpoising. Um, the McLaren floors look a little bit funny. Red Bull, and this was this was a comment that was shared, I think, on Sky as well. I expect to bring some big upgrades. But I think one of my biggest takeaways today is the drivers across the board are still really struggling to get a hold of these cars. And again, one of the big things to remember too is they're 43 kilograms heavier and that really changes the dynamic of of managing these cars in the corners. And they they also have bigger wheels and heavier tire wheel combinations, which means there's more unsprung weight. Like we've only got two days of winter testing and we're in free practice one next week on a Grand Prix weekend. And it just looks like some of these teams are are really struggling to bring these packages together. So I would think that we are going to see some really funky stuff next weekend at Bahrain. And we could see some funny things in the, in the, in the championships coming or the championship standings coming out of that weekend. Because again, like I look at it, we're, we're again, we have two days of winter testing left and some of these teams are still struggling to get a grasp on the porpoising issue. Vincenzo, I know you have a thought on one way they could potentially solve this, but it would really (laughs) backtrack on the regulations as they're written today. Right. No, I just I I think that the hydraulic suspension that they ban you know made illegal would would likely fix the issue or at least remedy of the issue a lot more than what they can do now. I mean, we t- again we talked about this last I think we talked about this last week. You know, ground effect they, they went they did away with it after they brought it into the sport late seventies early eighties. They did away with it for a reason. 
And so now it's like, okay, we're back to this again. Okay. <laughs> so sometimes some of these things are just, they feel half-assed backwards. Like, like, what are we, like, why are we not just allow them to fix it? But it does seem like this could be a, uh, one of those issues that they may want to consider figuring out and adjusting another regulation to help, to help that. Because it, you know, if this is an issue all year, we could have some pretty gnarly crashes. I mean, like yeah. if the, when the, when that ground effect, it will give you a ton of, of grip, but when it no longer provides grip, yeah. which it will, when it bottoms yep. out, right. Which I, I believe the hydraulic suspension could, could realistically help with the bottoming out piece of it. Um, the minute you bottom out you, and you lose that grip, if that's in a corner, if that's in anywhere, there's, you know, anything you're trying to do really trying to avoid another car. I don't, I'm trying to think of all the situations that that could happen, which is pretty much anywhere. Um, and, and here's the, 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 the even worse part. It happens under the fastest parts of the track, mm -hmm. right? Because the car is building up grip, the faster it's going and then it's happening. I, I, I don't know. To me, it seems almost too obvious that it's, could be a safety issue. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see, we'll see, I, you know, I, did you guys see in, in testing, there was some of the cars were, were jockeying kind of trying to follow, I, th I think trying to see what that yeah. dirty air, how it works. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think they're trying to figure out like, is it, is it, uh, there's gotta be a safety element here that we're, we're probably overlooking. Um, I'd be curious to see if that changes before, before quality or before practice one in, in Bahrain. It would be Maybe. interesting, I mean, to see that reintroduction of uh, active suspension onto the cars. I mean, uh, you know, like you said, Vincenzo, I mean, that was banned like 20 years ago. I mean, the, and Williams were like the pioneers of it. I think Lotus first started developing it back in yeah, the 80s. Yeah, exactly. And then exactly. Uh, Williams perfected it on the, uh, what was it, the FW14B. That's, 14. Yeah, that, that, that dominant car that they had in 91 or 92 or whatever it was. And then, you know, it's, it was banned by the, the FIA and it's, uh, you know, it, it just hasn't seen the light of day in 30 years almost, which, which is incredible. And we'll never which, see it. Yeah, it, it's, it's, you know, I kind of have mixed feelings on it, but, you know, it, it seems like it was such like a, you know, a technology that was banned almost because it was ahead of its time. And it's just like, you know, if they banned it way back in the early 90s, you know, what, you know, would they have reason to, you know, you know, uh, make it legal again or permit it. I don't know, but it's, yeah, and just, uh, I would love to see it because I'd love to see what these cars are capable of with an active suspension. But I think the debate is, does it make driving too easy for the driver? That's always the debate when you start throwing in these driver aids. But the other piece too, is as it was in the early nineties, it's just going to be cost. And if, if we're in a world right. where the teams have agreed that we're going to execute a cost cap of 135 or $140 million a year, um, adding an active suspension and the nuclear arms race that would happen within the paddock if you did that and the associated costs probably just aren't realistic. And I think there'd be a lot of teams that would push back pretty heavily. Again, I would love to see it because I want to see the peak of a Formula One car, but I just don't think financially it's going to happen. Yeah. Okay, uh, guys, uh, moving along here. So we're, we're going to get away from from the porpoising issue. Actually, let's just quick, uh, take a quick break and then we can get into uh, a lot of these stories. So we'll, we'll do that first and we'll come back and we'll talk about uh, maybe another box-to-box -box film project, but not on net Netflix. So we'll be back in just uh, a moment to talk about this and a whole lot more. So don't go away.
All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. And as I teased before the break, apparently a new Lewis Hamilton F1 documentary is going to be coming to Apple TV Plus uh, very, very soon. The yet or the as yet unnamed project will be directed by British filmmaker Matt Kay and produced by Hamilton and his media talent manager Penny Tho. Uh, one community and yes, box to box films, those people that have brought us three and very soon four seasons of Drive to Survive. Vincenzo, what's the scoop on yeah. this one? Uh, this is this is a strong play by Apple. I mean, they are so they are producing the uh, a couple months ago, they announced that they were doing um, an F1 film uh, with Brad Pitt that Lewis Hamilton would be somewhat involved with. Um, and now they're going to do this documentary. They're also buying a couple other docuseries or they're also buying up some other projects uh, along the same you know, documentary lines. But I think this is this is interesting because now Apple's like, hey, this Formula One sport that uh, that Netflix company over there seems to be doing really well with, maybe we should get involved. Mm. Um, I think anytime you have major, these major brands wanting to, or jockeying for a genre of content and, and you know, let's backtrack. Amazon already had a formula one show. Yep. Um, Netflix kind of took that, went balls to the wall with it turn it into the phenomenon does apple getting involved make it even like does it go even bigger i i, I don't know i i think that apple is another one of those cultural you know netflix shifts culture we've seen that with a lot of the content that they have created right um and and drive to survive is no different apple is another one of those things like you know i've got six apple devices here in this room <laughs> and like they're able to deliver content, not that, you know, Netflix can do the same thing, go right to the phone, but there's something about it being tied directly in with Apple. There's a, there's like a, a, a production value. There is a, um, there's a, there's a, there's a, it lends a little more credence, right? When, when these, yeah. these credibility, thank you. When these companies get involved with, with the sport. So, it's listen, not a bad thing for F1. Awesome for Lewis Hamilton. This will, I think this will be really good. Um, you know, we, we talked about Last Dance earlier. Mm. These these docu, almost like biopic documentary series are. I, we're going to see a lot more of these as people want to uh, learn more about their heroes, their goats, their whatever you want to call these athletes. Um, perfect. I think it's an absolute perfect marriage between Apple and Lewis Hamilton. It was, this is a really good spot for, for them to be in. Um, and Apple plus Apple TV plus they need content. That's, that's the biggest thing they're, they're like missing is they've got Ted Lasso. They've got the morning show. They've got a couple pieces, but they don't have the content library. So this makes perfect sense for them to buy into a clearly growing uh, vertical of uh, or genre formula. Let's say formula one is the genre motorsport. Um, and now they're, they're, they've already announced two projects that are formula one related. So we'll get fiction, we'll get nonfiction. Apple wants a piece of the pie and that's a good thing for everybody.
whether it's a drivers, whether it's the teams, mm-hmm. whether it's the sport, us, the viewers. Um, I think it's really cool. They're going after, they're using box to box as well. Uh, clearly a group that has worked with Hamilton around Hamilton, worked with the teams. They'll have tons of footage. They said that there'll be exclusive interviews with, you know, high profile folks. There's going to be, um, footage on and off the track. So that's, that's like, I, I think the off track stuff is going to be really interesting with Hamilton. Um, but we'll get both, both of those. So I don't know how the rights work with all that and, and how Apple worked that out, but they've got the money. We know that. So infusion of cash into this sport is not a bad thing, especially when it's coming from these brands. Mark, uh, what do you think? Are you looking forward to this, uh, this project from Apple TV plus? Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it more than following up Vincenzo when he, uh, has this analysis like that. I think one, I'm excited for this. Uh, I, I would question Apple TV's current penetration, right? Like Netflix is a cultural phenom and it's a content engine. It's the amount of exclusive stuff that's getting produced from that machine is just unbelievable. Apple TV struggled. And to your point, Ted Lasso, The Morning Show, um, Tehran, maybe a couple of other pieces that they picked up along the way. They're not charging a lot, and I would suspect that 90% of the people that are actively subscribed are those that got a free subscription with a recent Apple purchase, especially given the (laughs) fact that people flip their iPhone or their MacBook every couple of years. I think it would be good for them. I don't know that I would sign up for the Lewis Doc on its own. Would I sign up for the upcoming feature film with Brad Pitt? Damn right. I would absolutely subscribe to get access to that. Um, So I think combined, collectively, yeah, now it becomes a little bit more enticing and it's going to take Apple a little while, right? Like Disney, they had an absolute library of content to kick off their platform. And then they bought 20th Century Fox and all of their archive mm-hmm. to flesh it out. Apple's a little bit different because they got to start building from the ground up. And I think we know eventually everything on Apple will be an Apple exclusive, just as I think we all know that come five years from now, everything on Netflix will be a Netflix exclusive and they won't even bother licensing content from other studios anymore. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's take, oh, this, this was an interesting one. Uh, so Imola, they've got a new contract. They're going to be on the F1 calendar till at least 2025. Uh, this is a, a track that uh, has a historic uh, link with, with uh, Formula One, and uh, but has been off the, the calendar for years and years and years until jumping in last moment to, to help fill out the pandemic ravaged calendar a couple of years ago and then uh, made a return last year. You guys happy to see um, see uh, Imola back uh, on this? Well, I guess a permanent fixture in the midterm on uh, for, for Formula One. I mean, I am <laughs> <laughs> darn right. I, I mean, if if we could have if we could have you know four or five races in Italy, I'd, I'd be happy. But I love the region. I, I love that region, Emilia Romagna. Um, uh, it's it's close the major city uh that's close to bologna the track is great um yeah i i this this is good this is a good thing there should be more races you know if we get a third race in the united states uh i think a, a country like italy with with the history of of you know the motorsport of this sport specifically uh deserves more as do other european and African countries like that they deserve more of the sport um Asian countries should 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 be getting more tracks but you know there's only so many races we can race at and uh I think Imola is just it's one of those good ones 
that uh i'm excited for imola it's, but it's awesome. i would have been just as excited to see Magello. and again uh, i like the way you put it that the pandemic ravaged 2020 calendar when we still yeah. got 17 races in, we got some special stuff it's amazing right i feel like Magello came and went faster than i could even process as and savor like i'm a moto gp guy so i know and i love that track but i'm happy imola's on it Italy is absolutely one of when you talk about the heartland of motorsports, Italy, the UK, Germany. I love to have two races there. I'd be happy to see three races there. And I'd love to see a world where, hey, Monza's on the calendar every year and maybe we alternate between Imola and Mugello. But if Mag- if Imola's been able to secure a spot on the calendar for the next couple of years, I'm I'm thrilled about that. Imola's actually closer to Ferrari's headquarters too in Maranello. It's like it's the same region. So that's more of a home race. Like that should probably be on the calendar. I mean, obviously Monza is Monza, but like Imola should be on the calendar. It, it is that home race for Ferrari. So I'm I'm happy. I mean, that may, that puts a smile on my face. That's a I, I want to get to that track, dude. Before we move Maybe on, I have to ask year, you a but. question because we did have a listener question specifically about this for you. Uh, Kristen wrote in, oh, "Hey Vincenzo, thanks for showing up on the show. It's been really great. Your Italian accent is perfect. Are you from Italy originally, Uh-oh. and do you speak Italian?" So. Again, every time you pronounce something in Italian, I swoon because it just sounds so authentic and so cool. <laughs> Do you speak Italian? Are you uh, from Italy originally? Was not was not born there. My parents were born there. I'm a first generation uh, Italian American, uh, but we didn't speak English in the house. Um, I actually started grade school not not knowing English. Um, so, like, I learned to read. I learned to speak, write, like all in Italian when I was a kid. When I was, you know, a, a young boy, um, and then growing up, it was, you know, both languages. At that age, you learn language pretty quick. But we only spoke Italian in the house. My grandparents didn't speak English. Uh, my parents kind of bounced back and forth of what, you know, how they spoke to us. Um, but you know, we listened to Italian music. We did. Uh, it, it was like literally living in the old country, but we just came here. Like that's that's how we we grew up, um, and then you know, once you start in school and whatnot, you kind of lose like the accent, but no, speaking Italian was the first language. That's what I, I spoke. I still speak. I mean, my, my dialect is, is heavy Southern Italian, uh, from Napoli, but, but when I'm in Italy, I can kind of turn it on and, 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 and go back like to a proper Italian once in a while I'll, I'll get a little more proper, but speaking to like my aunts and my grandparents when they were alive, uh, was always kind of that, that, southern italian even going back to italy still if i'm up north and i let the napoletana come out it's they're like are you you're from down south I'm, like, no, I'm actually from america uh i live in america and they're like no no no, you're from down south and i was like no really awesome. i live in the united states but yeah it's cool it's cool that's very cool all yeah. right thanks Kristen, for the for the question i love it so i i'm, I'm fluent in dutch vincenzo's uh, fluent in Beautiful. italian and uh, then mark you, we, we know you've got some language skills as well yes of all things because my uh, and it's so funny that you share that story vincenzo because my wife's persian and we wanted our son to know persian so that's what we speak yeah. in the house and we have since he was born awesome. and it's what he speaks with his parents so that's his first language because he goes off to daycare he's speaking english there so we just yeah. reinforce that at home and hopefully and 
my, my good friend Ahmed uh, from Toronto, uh, he's going to help me start learning a little bit of Arabic as well because I love that region nice. of the world. But yeah, our, our first language at home is uh, Persian. And I would love one day to have a Persian F1 podcast, but my language is nowhere near good enough to host a podcast full time. <laughs> it's crazy because, you know, you, it's actually really interesting you say this. And I'd, I'd be curious to hear what Daly says. Um, when, speaking a language is great, but then using that language in different things. So like mm. there's times where, folk, you know, I've been asked, oh, can you do this business? Uh, can you handle like a business conversation? I'm like, not really because the, the language, like I don't use those words ever. I'm not, I don't have those types of conversations. I, like, are, do you feel the same way with Dutch or do you have business conversations in Dutch? Um, not so much anymore because I mean, it was different when I was like living there because then I was like, you know, I was like, it was there for business and pleasure, right? So I was living and working there. So I mean, there'd be a okay, way that I'd right. be talking to my grandparents or my cousins or my friends and then, you know, I'd be at work and then, you know, you've got like technical things you have to say or you have to write a report or you have to write a, an email to somebody but nowadays it's just um you know it's like texting my friends or my cousins or whatever and then talking to somebody on the phone or going to visit and we're all going out for dinner or whatever and yeah so like it, it's one of those things i don't write as as much as uh, i obviously used to so it um yeah it's it's a little bit kind of tricky that way it's it's like one of those things right you, you either use it yeah. or you lose it right Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then you end up using it in one kind of like you carve out this one way that you're using it, talking to family, talking about personal stuff. But then when you kind of switch over to something else, sometimes it's a little, I mean, that's just the nature of the beast, right? Where this, this podcast is in English. I do a lot of my business in English. So yeah, exactly. it, it is what it is. But yeah. yeah, one day, one day, maybe when after the baby's born and we'll get to Italy a little bit more often, I want her to be able to speak Italian. Yeah, that'd be one awesome. Yeah. One thing I'll call, actually, it probably won't be as big an issue for you because you are fluent in Italian. My son, who's four, his, uh, his, his Persian is so much better than mine, but when he's frustrated <laughs> with me or he just wants to talk the S word about me to my, to to my, my wife, his mom, he'll speak in Persian really quickly. And I don't understand what he's saying, but he, <laughs> he, he, he throws shade at me in Persian to, to his mom, my wife, because he knows he can. And I'll, I'll pick up a couple of words. Awesome. I'm like, you son of a gun. I know exactly what you're saying, but that's he's hilarious. my new favorite person in the whole world that's awesome <laughs> if he rags on you hamilton then i love it <laughs> oh endlessly my friend endlessly okay guys let, let's talk about like we got one more story here and then it's uh, time to, to to wrap it up for another week so aston martin are apparently evaluating developing their own power unit for for 2026 so they're looking at the viability of uh, creating their own engine once the uh, the, the new uh, engine regulations are are introduced. We don't know when that's uh, going to happen, but uh, technical uh, director Andrew Green said that they're looking into going it on their own, developing their own engine. He had the following to say, quote, I think going forward with our ambitions, we're definitely in investigating our own power supply, our power unit supply in the long term. 2026 is mooted as a new power unit regulation, and I think as a team, we'd love to be involved. We have Aramco now involved as a sponsor. I think conversations going forward to the next uh, years, we'll see. For sure, we'll be looking at it in great deal, uh, great detail, and understanding whether there is a benefit to it in that direction. End quote. So, guys, what what, what do you think? Is uh, do is, you think that? Yo, sorry, go super, ahead. Yeah, no, this is this is an interesting topic because. I think it's important to understand that there is a linkage between the Aston Martin road car division and the F1 team, right? Like Lawrence yeah. Stroll came in with a group that 
gobble up 25% of the road car team and or the road car side of the business and he's now the chairman but it's really important to understand that in a way Aston Martin is very much a boutique supercar producer. They source almost all of their gearboxes, engines, and electronics for the road cars from Mercedes. They're rocking the AMG 4-liter V8 in the Vantage, the DB11, and the DBX. Their entire lineup is flush with components and electronics from Mercedes cars. Mm -hmm. And Mercedes is a strategic investor in the Aston Martin road car division. So to me, it would be very, very interesting if Aston Martin did, they've got time and there's absolutely no harm in, in exploring this. But the question has to be, is it worth a $500 or $500 million investment to build mm-hmm. the capability to develop our own F1 engine with no guarantee that it's going to be any better than the power units that are being fed to us by Mercedes, who coincidentally also feeds power units into our road car division. So I think they've got time. I think it's the right thing to do. The whole intention of the 2026 power unit regulation changes is to make it simpler. I just don't know that this is where you want to be spending your resources. If you're Aston Martin, there's so many other things you could be doing. But then again, if the if the formula continues to simplify when we talk about the aerodynamics and things like that, and you know what, we know that there's wild variations out there, but over the next couple of years, teams will consolidate down to a more standardized design of cars as they all yeah. learn the same thing. Maybe then like, hey, we don't have a lot else to learn here. Let's throw some money at a rope power or a power unit project. But I just, I don't think it necessarily makes sense. Vincenzo, Mark, what do you guys think? Um, yeah, it's kind of interesting because um, I think that uh, for, for me, it almost seems a little bit, I would say putting the cart in front of the horse, but uh, I, I would think that, you know, they, they haven't quite nailed it yet uh, with, their, with their car. I mean, last year was obviously a miss. This year is uh, still to be uh, determined whether or not uh, they get it right uh, with the car that uh, that they're going to field uh, this year for, for, for 2022. You know, I, I know they're ambitious, but um, I would concentrate a little bit more on the car first. But I guess the thing is that if it's going to be, if you're going to get in, get in at the same time as everybody else, because we saw with Honda that if uh, you wait a couple of years compared to everybody else, then that's uh, maybe not the best thing, uh, the best thing either. I guess ultimately it comes down to the fact: Does Lawrence Stroll want to cut that check and uh, fund, um, you know, an engine development program within that team, or is he just, you know, happy to say a, a customer of uh, Mercedes? But yeah, I don't know. It's Vincenzo. What are your thoughts? Oh, Vincenzo, I think you're muted, buddy. Oh, sorry, having some audio issues. Should be fixed. You now. brought you you brought up Stroll yeah. and. Um, you know, you wonder if like, is it an ego thing? Is it, is it this like, just for the sake of ego? And I understand, you know, the engine, like the power units are going to change, but you're still in bed, so to speak with the eight time champion power unit, essentially. Um, I say, why change it? And to your point daily, you've got the best power unit you're starting with the best power unit on the grid. Now, whatever you're doing to it, obviously, is is not totally helping. But you still have the the best power unit. Um, if you're not able to turn, like, <laughs> to translate that into winning, mm-hmm. I, I, like, do you want to spend that kind of money and and at the level of, of investment, research and development, um, it, employees, right? Right. You have to hire people now to, to like, that's a, that's a whole different, unless it's something they want to do for the road cars, um, and then just have one, you know, ma- like, uh, um, they want to be able to kind of like do it for both road shared and, and race cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shared resources, fine. 
but um yeah i don't know i like I, it's it's kind of one of those i'll see i'll believe it when i see it type stories sure. um i want you know is there something else Again, we we know politics rules everything. Is there some other political thing going on behind the scenes? You know, with Mercedes and Aston Martin. Um, but yeah, my my take is, hey, if you can't figure it out right this moment with with the power unit you have, it's not going to get any easier when you're trying to build your own power unit as well as figure everything else out. So yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, guys, it's uh, been uh, some great insight, some great uh, discussion tonight. I think uh, there's a good place to park it for uh, for another week uh, before we uh, we shut it down here and uh, and um, and close, turn off the lights for another night. Uh, Vincenzo, just to remind everybody where they can find you online. Ah, just go follow me over on Twitter at Vincenzo Landino awesome. on the tweet tweet. And uh, we are at Scuderia F1 Pod. And uh, you can also email us with any questions or comments at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com. And that's it, guys. That's a wrap. On behalf of myself, Mr. Mark Hamilton, and Mr. Vincenzo Landino, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the latest drop of uh, Drive to Survive. And we'll be back again very, very soon. Bye for now. Two hours. That's right. All right, guys. Take care. Talk to you soon. Bye for now.